stress is an inevitable part of our experience. And yet so much of the time, stress makes us feel like we're out of control. In this show, I am delighted to share a conversation with Jessica Harrington, or Stress Less with Jess. Jess is an expert in stress and stress management, and she shares with us the one practice that sets successful leaders aside from the pack. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. So Jessica, thank you so much for being here for this conversation today. Um, we are recording this in April, the month of stress awareness, and I'm really le looking forward to leaning into your area of expertise around stress and stress management. So thank you so much for bringing your expertise to this conversation. Thanks for having me. I'm just excited to be here and just talk to you. So let's do it. All right, let's do it. So there's a few things that I think about when I think about stress. One is, what is the source of stress? Then I can identify how am I, what is my um, stress reactions, kind of because the way I respond to stress may be different than the way you do. For sure. Right. And then I think about, well, how am I going to manage this? stress like it's it almost feels like something I have to do like another job even as I said that I have to manage my stress like holy lord I have enough trouble just not impossible <laughs> right right and then the last part too that I, I really want to see if we can weave into this conversation is that concept of self-love and as it relates to stress if you got some ideas going for me that I want to respond I think you'll be able to like cherry pick so I think it's gonna be good let's do it all right so let's start with talking about recognizing stress. For now, sure. one of the <laughs> contradictions that you see in the literature sometimes is that there's good stress and there's bad stress. And we often also just kind of lump all stress together and say it's all bad. Help us kind of tease this part out. What's good and bad about stress? Yeah, of course. So I like to start with the definition of stress I was trained on because I always say when I was trained on because there's variations of stress definition. So what I was trained on was stress is a reaction to change. So let me break that down first. Stress is a reaction to change. So we all have a, a normal routine, right? We get up, our alarm goes off, we go to the bathroom, we set our coffee, et cetera, et cetera. We sign on to work, right? There's some normal things that go on. But then there's things that alter our, our schedule. So for instance, we can do it today. We got on our call today. I went on the wrong link. And there could be, I could have a couple of reactions. So your first response is going to be physical. So it's that, ugh, well, okay, I'm nervous now. Am I on the wrong thing, right? Then it's emotional. Oh, she probably thinks I'm so stupid. I can't even get on the link, right? Oh my God, I just messed up this whole interview. And then it's the behavior. Well, I guess I can't go to the interview. I'm just going to delete this and say, send her an email and go, next time, sorry, I don't know what I did wrong. And just chop up the interview, right? Right. Well, it's a reaction to change. So and I like to talk about the smaller stressors because there are bigger stressors. So when something different happens or something happens that we're not planned on happening, we're going to have a reaction, physical, emotional, and behavior. So the kind of going to the source of your stress is how I perceive it. Mm -hmm. So how am I looking at that? So like I said, I get on, I'm clicking the wrong link. So again, I could go through all these different emotions. Oh my God, she's, I'm so stupid. I am sweating over here. I'm getting so anxious. I'm going through all those racing thoughts. And I'm just going to go close the computer and that's it. I'm not going to do it. Or, okay, Jess, well, we're definitely, we're just emailing this weekend. 
So she knows we're supposed to talk. So let me reread these emails. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I missed the wrong link. Maybe it's a different time. There's so many, maybe she sent me an email saying, hey, by the way, I have to cancel today. Let me go back. When I take that pause, I'm able to see a different picture, right? Read through the email and go, oh, here it is. So then when I come on, my action step is, this is what happened. I communicated to you. And guess what? We're here. So a lot of the stress is the perception. How am I seeing that stressor? Yes. Even as you were describing that whole experience, and by the way, I could relate to it. Like all of that inner chatter that you just described would be the same inner chatter that would be going on in my head if I were in your shoes as well. Because we're normal. We're humans. Yes. Yes. And we're both um, accomplished in our areas of work. And even then, if we end up on the wrong link, there's going to be what's going on. Because honestly, I was having some of that same chatter. Oh my gosh, she's on the wrong link. I, I gave her the wrong information. She's going to think that I'm not, I'm not struck, you know, I, I, that I'm scattered and, you know, literally all of that's going on. And for both of us, none of that inner chatter served us in any way. Nope. No. No. And, and I think that's one thing that I've learned about stress is that it's often I generate it myself. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think what you're saying there too is that we're in more control of our stress. And it, tell me if you, if you agree with me on this, is that when I ask my class, my workshops, wherever I'm teaching, what they think about when I say the word stress, a lot of it is I don't feel in control, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in control of my stress, I feel a little bit better. And I'm not saying that I have to be this perfect planner, but what I'm saying is how I'm perceiving it. I have an option and control on how I want to perceive that stressor. I'm not saying that I'm going to have everything super lined down and plan this party completely together and nothing's going to happen wrong. I'm not saying that because that's not realistic. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is having control on how I'm seeing the actual situation. I love borrowing from Brene Brown. And what uh, what's coming up for me in this uh, part of the conversation is that idea of that I'm living with a story. The story I tell myself, that's what she says. Yes. The story I am telling myself. I'm like, yes, because that's what it is. What am I telling myself? Right. And then even going back again to this, our experience of this morning, um, what that chatter that we've both expressed is the story that we're telling ourselves. Yes. And if we would have believed that inner chatter, that it was true, you know, each of us had some version of she's going to, the other is going to think that I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm doing. Yes. Right. Um, even though, again, we are both very accomplished in our areas of work, we can still believe that possibility about ourselves. Um, yeah. So that story that I'm telling myself is that I I'm, must not have been organized good enough. I must not have communicated good enough, which means that I must not be very good at what I do. Right. Yeah. It's so easy to get into that spiral. And it's and so what Brene Brown is basically saying, first, you have a feeling. Yeah. Uh, embarrassment, dumb. Then there's a thought that comes with it. They're going to think this, this is what's going to happen. And then there's an action. So it's feeling, thought, action is how it goes. And that's exactly what she's saying when she says the story I'm telling myself, the feeling and thought within that story. And it's the next what? How am I going to handle it? So a lot of times people use this storyline of the story I'm telling myself through jealousy. 
right? I'm jealous of that person that got a promotion. I'm jealous of that girl that's talking to my my husband. I'm jealous of my older sibling because they're more accomplished than me, right? So it's the feelings and thoughts and that action step that I'm going to take because of it. So it's a lot of that feeling, thought, action, but we have control on all of that. Going back to what you're saying, how my source of my stress, the control of my stress, right? My perception, that's on me. Yeah. Well, and that is one story that I would like to help the planet uh, adjust to is the story that I generate my own stress. Yeah. And and I don't do that because I want to, you know, make us wrong or, or beat ourselves up or any of that. What that story does for me and what I hope it does for everyone else is that it takes that responsibility back to me. And you're talking about a lack of control. I can take control for my experience in this situation, regardless of what is happening. I still have control over me. Yes. Yes. Because when we, I, I can't remember if we press record at this point or not, but that external, yeah. right? A lot of my clients are, my husband's my stressor. My coworker's my stressor. My kids are my stressor. My mom is my stressor, right? Fine. But what am I doing? Yeah. How am I perceiving it? How am I communicating with it? How am I setting up boundaries? Right. What am I, my part in it? Because it's very easy to go down that complaint train and say, these are all the things that they do to me. These are all the things that they do. Cool. What are you doing? Yes. I remember when I was in leadership roles in public education and there would be a small group of us, you know, who were having the same experience in the in the organization, um, which was basically, you know, some version of we were more right than them. Right. Because and, you know, they weren't responding or they weren't making decisions or they weren't giving us what we needed. Right. We were the victim in the story all the time. And I remember we, uh, is it um, Ozzy Osbourne, right? Crazy Train? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that was kind of what we we named it, we labeled it, and we still put it all out there. We are on a crazy train because we don't have control over all of these variables. And what, what I thought, what I think we thought we were doing at the time was venting and, and helping us manage that stress. But when I look back on it now, I think we're compounding our problem. What would you say about that? So when you talk about venting, I like to point out, I try to talk to my clients about what are you doing when you're venting, right? So when I'm venting, it's very much of um, I'm reliving that stressor, right? So when I'm reliving, talking about the external factors, where I'm like I'm re talking about those clients that are on the crazy train, I'm re right, it's that busy season, so everyone else is bad at communicating, they just don't need to answer their, their emails, and et cetera, et cetera. So for example, if Bobby is the worst and never answers his emails and is always late on the deadline. And I go to you and say, Mary, oh my God, did you see Bobby? Did he finally answer it? Bobby never does this. And I'm coming to you and just complaining about Bobby. You are then going to come to me and complain about Bobby. And yeah. now we are going back and forth, starting gossip, one about somebody that doesn't even know that we feel this way. And two, we are quite literally reliving that situation, putting ourselves through that stress again. And we're not solving the problem. Right. We're not even solving the problem. Exactly. But, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, you know, one of the other pieces to this is, that I've learned along the way since then was how often we just focus on the problem. And this was one way that we got caught up in focusing on the problem because we never got to a solution. Now, of course, we knew what other people should be doing, right? 
but that's not a solution. No. That that's just us, you know, making up stuff that we would do if you know we were in their shoes. Right. We're not talking about what we would do in our own shoes. No. No. If I was that person, I would do this. How many times would we do that? Right. Especially now with social media. Oh, if I was them, I would do this. You don't know. You're not there. You don't know how you're handling it. You might have an idea of how you want to handle the situation. But how are you handling the own situations in your own current life right now? Yeah. Right. And so talking about like not handling the problem, we can we can sit here and talk about all the woes. This is all the reasons why my life sucks. And this is all the reasons why my life is stressful. And this is all the reasons why my husband's annoying. And sorry, I keep using husband examples. Sorry, guys. But, um, <laughs> you know, we can make that list. Yes. Right. But if I go over here and say, Mary, what is the one thing that's making you the happiest in your life right now? What is the one thing that if I took away all your bills, parents, uh, children, dogs are fed, everything, and I gave you 10 minutes, five minutes, what would you do? When I ask those questions, they don't give me answers. It's right. I don't know. Right. Right. Because we spend so much time on this problem, the stressor, and that eats away at us literally, physically, mentally. Yes. yes. That we stop, we stop focusing on the things that we really want and make us happy. But then we get frustrated when we're not happy. But when I say what makes you happy, it's like, oh, well, I just want help and support. Cool. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because helping you might be, oh, flip the laundry. Right. Helping me is, you know, clearing the table. Right. Supporting me is by asking about my day and, you know, me being able to talk about a problem solve with you about my business mm-hmm. right? but that might not be for you so it's but if I don't know I can't ask for it does that make sense it does and I think that's one of my other <laughs> soapboxes is uh, knowing what we want because I think that we do spend so much of our time looking at the problem and wishing that somebody else would change the problem for us so we didn't have to um, that we don't take responsibility for what is it that I really want. I mean, I don't know how many times I, I've caught myself doing this with my husband. Like, I, I would really love it if he could just read my mind and know what I want in the moment. Right? And simple. Can you just do that? I don't, I'm not asking for much. Exactly. exactly. We know each other so well. Why don't you know these things? And yet, if I don't know what I want, how do I possibly expect someone else outside of me to know what I want and then to deliver that for me in the timely way that I would want it. It's not possible. Or I think the other thing we do a lot is that we, we might give the love that we want. So for example, I want actions. I want for my birthday, I want to do things. I, that's how I want love, right? So I will always plan something for someone as an action thing where they might not want that. Exactly. And I get upset because they don't appreciate it. And I get upset that they don't do it for me. And it's it's this cycle of, well, I do it for you. You should do it for me. But that doesn't, that's not, doesn't work for me. Right. I appreciate it. I appreciate doing things with you. I, I, you know, but I want movies and cuddles at home. I don't want to go out to dinner. That doesn't make mm-hmm. me ecstatic. It's just say it doesn't make me happy because, of course, I'm with you. I'm happy. But sure. you're saying it, it's not the thing that I'm looking for that's going to fill me up. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, I think that's one of the takeaways here in in this conversation, besides that we're living with our own stories, is do we really know what we want in the meantime? And and do we give ourselves any time and space to even think about what we want? Yeah. 
I know I'm guilty of that repeatedly, right? I remember actually dressing myself was one of the ways that I started really paying attention. Because when I grew up, like clothes were not a, a big deal to me. Fashion was not a big deal to me. It was functional, you know, and I don't want to look like an idiot, but, you know, it, it also wasn't something that I, I really spent much time thinking about it. But when I started asking myself, do I even know what I want? I started with small, like, do I, do I know what I want to wear today? What is going to make me feel the best today for what it is that I have coming up? What's going to feel the best? And when I started doing that, it just started opening up the doors for other things like, oh, Mary, what, what, how would you really like to interact with this person? Do you want to do this on Zoom or do you really want to just go see them, meet them for coffee, right? Or vice versa, right? And being able to be intentional about what we want and then ask for it because most of the time people are going to say yes. Uh, to what we want when we know what we're asking for. Yes. And then you said so many things there. One, it's it's just right now. It's just right here. It's not six months. It's not in a month. What could I do that one small, simple thing I could do right here, right now? So maybe it is getting dressed, you know, that's going to make me happy. Maybe it's, you know, I always say drink the coffee while it's hot. Maybe it's actually taking a shower and shaving, right? So yes, these are quote unquote small things, but these are the little things that are going to make me happy, you know? And oh shoot, you said something else. Gosh, it slipped my brain. All right, I'm going to come back to it. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, we're, we're on this whole thing about, you know, making, knowing what it is that we want that would make us happy. You know, so we're really kind of shifting that we're from saying, People out, people in events outside of me are stressing me to now what would make me happy? What are some other um, stress management core practices that you advise to your groups? Yeah, so I always start with, like I said, drink of the coffee while it's hot. So if I gave you one to five minutes a day and you just drank the coffee while it's hot, didn't put it in the microwave to re-microwave it, didn't leave it on your desk going, oh my God, where did I put it? Didn't leave it on the top of the car actually make the cup of coffee and drink it right then and there, right? What would that do? What, and when you're saying that, that's no cell phone. That's just sitting outside watching the kids play. That's watching the dogs play. That's literally just sitting there for one to five minutes. I'm not telling you to meditate. I'm not telling you to read. Just sit and drink the water if you're not a coffee person. You drink your first cup of water. I, I'm not, it doesn't matter what it is, but just sitting with yourself and starting with that, you know, it's great to have morning routines, lunch routines, all these check-in three off days, night routines, but just starting with one thing. If you're a morning person, start with the drink of the coffee as well as that. If you're a night person, start with washing your face at night, right? So it's the one thing that you can start with that makes time for you. Because I truly believe once we start setting standards for self, start setting boundaries for self, we start to gain more respect outside of us. So if I say, I deserve this five minutes by myself, and that's what I mean, I'm going to get that boundaries and set, right? If I say every Sunday morning, I have to do my yoga class and that's all I'm asking for, then that's what I'm going to start setting up for. And I say this in the sense of we set the standards for everybody else. So once I start to raise my standards, other people are going to meet me there, right? So if I say, you know, I always use examples of, we know that person you can't eat in the car because that's their standards. We know the person you have to take your shoes off when they get to their house because that's their standards. The person that you can't call after eight because that's their standards. So what standards are you setting for yourself? So when I start to make time for me, 
I'm setting standards. I'm learning what I need and want. And mm-hmm. then I'm able to communicate that. Yes. Yeah. The, oh. Right. <laughs> That's a whole nother level, right? One is just getting to know what is it that I want. And I love this practice of just being with yourself, not doing anything else. I love it. You said, don't even meditate, just be with yourself. Um, That, and I love the small amount of time too, because it might be surprising. I know when I first started being with myself, well, you know, that, that mind would be like, we got better. We got things to do, right? Yeah, I've got a to-do list, Mary. Why are, we don't have time for this right now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that inner chatter because t- actually that inner chatter for me is, is one of my consistent themes. Like whatever I'm doing, I shouldn't be doing it. I should be doing something else. Or whatever I'm doing, I need to get through it quickly because I really need to be doing something else. Like that's just a common uh, chatter. That's a common story that I've got to catch and and that practice was one that helped me recognize that how persistent that story is. For sure. And I think so many of us have that story. And, you know, this is, we're not, I don't want to open therapy, but like, you know, in the sense of what we were taught when we were growing up, right? You had time to lean, you had time to clean. If you're, if you're bored, you go clean. If you're, there was always something to do for sure. So relaxing was not the normal thing to do. It wasn't okay. It was lazy. It was, we have things to do. You're not working hard enough. Right. And so now moving to where we are now, especially with technology is such an easy example of you have to charge your cell phones. When your st- cell phone starts to go low, it moves too slow and you get frustrated. When your laptop is is uh, dying from the battery, it's the same thing. It's getting too low. Now it's moving slow. You get frustrated. Your car, if you don't put gas in it, it doesn't work. Those are machines. What do you think you're doing to your body? when you don't let it recharge. Wow. Right? And the thing, people always like, oh, well, I put money into that, right? I bought the new car. I bought the laptop. I bought the cell phone. So just in that mindset too, I respect my cell phone more than I respect myself. Check in there. I respect my car because I'm getting expected. When's the last time you went to the doctors? I'm getting the tires clean. When's the last time you went to the dentist, right? I'm like all these things, but you're not doing it for yourself. What's that say? You know? Yeah. yeah. What's that say about how you value yourself? How are you setting those standards? Yeah. You know, I, I, so this morning I was on LinkedIn and I was just looking around to see what conversations were going. And there was a quote or it wasn't a quote that I recognized, but it basically what it was talking about is that authentic leaders I wish I could, uh, I wonder if there's an easy way to do it. It was something to the effect of authentic leaders um, excessively focus on themselves. And I agree with that. Sorry. So I agree with that. So I do a lot of research on, you know, how to teach employees, how to check in with themselves and things like that. And it's very true. There was this one study that showed successful leaders and why they were successful. And a lot of it was because they do these check-ins. And a lot of the questions were, like I said, what makes you the happiest? What is the main stress in your life? How much of it is taking over my job? How much of it is taking over? What is the priority? Where is it taking my priority at? You know, it's all these check-ins, but they were doing that every day. They were doing check-ins because you need to do a daily check-in because it's so quick to get out of a habit. But you're absolutely right. Like, the leaders that are becoming successful, that are there for their employees, that are there for their families, have that quote unquote 
work-life balance, which is a whole other word within itself we can talk about right. later. But, you know, they, the ones that have been shown to be successful in their business and in their careers and in being healthy is the ones that have had these check-ins. And they, that's what they were showing is that these ones that are literally checking in with themselves, not just only exercising, not just only meditating, not just only literally having that self-check-in. Yeah. And what I just heard you say there is the difference between doing the things and being it, right? Wow. The, the step in. So I can do all of these things. Like I, I can read the books and know that I need to have a morning routine and I need to have this other routine, at, you know, midday and, and at, in the evening. Um, and I can go about those check-ins very compliance yeah. perspective, right? I'm, I did it. I checked it off. But I think when we do it in that way, we're not really owning it. I, I did it because somebody else said I should and, and or this is what others have said that it looks like to manage your stress. And so I'm going to do it. And yet, if we're not really buying into this whole responsibility that I am taking responsibility for myself here, that I, 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 I'm the one who needs to know what it is that I want. Um, I think that there's a difference between using those tools from a compliance perspective and using those tools to really get to know ourselves. Yes. And I think that's what happens and why I use the example of meditation and working out so much, because these are both amazing. You should be doing both and they're super awesome. But if I'm not checking in with myself when I'm doing these activities, I'm not learning and getting to know myself. So for example, with working out, right? If I'm working out every single day, how do I know if it's working to my goal if I'm not checking in with myself? How do I know if it's hurting my body and I'm doing too much weight or that one move isn't working? How do I know, right? So, and when I'm meditating, again, going back in that goal check-in. And when I say goals, it's like, well, why am I doing it? It's my purpose here, right? Right. And I'm doing it to check in with myself and be happy and figure out what my wants and needs and things like that, right? Those are all amazing. But if I'm just doing it to check the box and I'm just listening to the music, which that's fine to start, you know, somewhere, but what am I doing it for? And so how am I having to check it? So I always recommend when you do it, so do the meditation, you read the two pages, you drink, do why it's hot. Mm -hmm. A, you write it down or just check with yourself. How do I feel right now? That's it. Start there and you can build up. But how do yeah. I feel right now? What do I want right now? Right. And so just having those one time check in after I do activities, after we done recording here, I'm going to go, OK, Jess, what is it you need and want right now? Because how many times have you worked throughout the day and you were like, when's last my eight? Did I go to the bathroom yet today? You know, like, so you, when are you doing these check ins? Oh, I love those examples. Uh, there are. Is not uncommon for me, especially when I do have a puppy. She's now, you know, a year old. But um, so she, I do have her to kind of keep me moving during the day and, and pulling me out of work mode into something else. And that always helps. But when I have my calendar, or I see that there's a lot of things that I want to focus on or I don't want her there for recording or whatever, and I'll send her to daycare. What I notice uh, when at the end of those days is that I'm completely wiped out. Wow. Because I don't then take time for myself during the day. I don't eat on those days because I, and during the, during the day, I'm not like, oh, this is so hard. Like I'm in it. Like I love it moving along, moving along. And all of a sudden it's three o'clock or four o'clock. It's time to go get her. And, and then when I come back, it's like, I am wiped out. Yes. And it's important, right? So that's the thing. 
there is going to be hustle time. I'm not taking the hustle time off, right? We look at all our calendars. There's back-to-back meetings here and there and things like that. But when that break comes, so after this, I have about like a 15-minute break after until my next one. What am I doing in that break? Mm-hmm. Am I doing, am I going refreshing my water, going to the bathroom? Am I going from this computer to the next computer? What am I doing, right? Because that's where that draining part's going to come in if I just went from here to the next computer, yes, right? So me just getting up, acting like my puppy was still here, like, let me just open the fresh air really quick, right? right? So what are those things that I am doing to check in with myself throughout that day? Because we are going to have crazy days. And so there's people that are listening going, oh, it must be nice to have like breaks. No, I'm putting breaks in. Even right. five minutes, I'm sitting here just doing a couple of breaths going, Okay, Jess, we're good. We're good. I'm resting my voice because I don't know about you, but I know about me. I'm in meetings all day. So I'm just talking and my throat, like, right? So maybe I'm getting a cup of tea. So it's it's having those check-ins. And especially for me, what I've learned, when, like you're saying with the draining, one thing that I do every day is five o'clock when I clock out of here, I go to my kitchen and I have a 20-minute podcast that I put on. And that's just me time. Everybody in the house knows that when I have that podcast on, I just need to not think. I need to be in there. I'm cooking. I'm cleaning. Everybody else just has to fend for themselves. It's 20 minutes. It's right. I have that support. I put that support in place saying this 20 minutes is just me. I'm cooking. I'm doing things, right? So I'm still feeling, having that productive feeling, but I'm also doing something I love. I'm cooking. I love, but I also listen to a podcast that might not be work-related. It's just, it's a crime junkie one, right? You know, it's just, (laughs) It's just me time. So it's that re-energizing part, you know? Yeah. I love we're having this conversation because one of the things that I've been asking myself recently, because as I was rebranding this podcast, you know, going back to my origin story and what is it that I, where am I now and who am I now and what is it that I want to bring into this space? Um, And as I was looking back on my story, I realized like, oh my gosh, like, there were so many long spurts of suffering of just, it wasn't good at all. And I I now look back on and ask myself, like, why did you wait so long? Like, how did you stay in that, that painful space for so long? And then usually I waited till some external factor, right? Something outside of me pushed me over the edge, whether it was losing a job or I'm getting a divorce or my health blows up. Then I was finally like, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't working for me anymore. And so I've been asking myself really, and and since I I had that aha moment about myself is how am, what am I tolerating now? What am I putting up with now that is the same as what I've done before? And, um, and then how do I catch myself quicker? And I think this is really the, the answer to that of, of taking those moments for ourselves so that we can kind of have a. 300, you know, what is it? The 30,000 foot view and say, oh, this is what's happening. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. This, these are the things that I'm believing about myself and about what's happening. Is any of that working for me? Right. Yeah. 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 But it's that daily thing, right? So like you said, we, we all go through things. You listed things that most of us have gone through, right? Yep. If not all of it. So it's, we, those things are happening and I'm not saying if I checked in more, maybe this would have happened. I can't promise you that. But what I can promise you is how we would respond to a lot of the things that happened that might have led to that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and just an example, it, it, it's, it's not that you're doing every day. This is an everyday check-in. And that's why I say it's one to five minutes. 
Will we increase? That's the goal for sure. But just yeah. today, in the muck of everything, when you have that crazy day and you're running between jobs and you have, you're, you have an inside meeting and an outside meeting, you have a Zoom meeting, you gotta go pick up the kids, pick up the dog. And it's one of those, okay, well, when I'm driving, I'm not taking calls. Right? What meditation music on? Maybe I put something soothing on. Maybe I sit in silence and I just talk to myself and make it look like I'm on the phone, right? It's fine. But when am I doing it, right? Because yeah. that's on me. It is. And I think that that whole giving ourselves that time and that space and that permission just to be, whether it's one minute, five minutes, 25 minutes, whatever it is, I think that's a way that we start to love ourselves. 100%. Yeah, because you're setting those boundaries. You're setting those boundaries of making that time for me. And when I start showing up for me more, I start loving me more. But if I'm putting myself on the back burner all the time, then where do I, where's my life, my self-love at? Exactly. I, it, this is another, I think, one of those cultural kind of conditionings that, that's a little twisted. And, and that idea that we always have to be doing out for, you know, doing for others. Yeah. Um, and while I believe that, you know, ultimately we are here for others, if we ignore ourselves in the process, we're really giving to others from a space of, um, uh, of lack, right? Um, and there's such a difference between giving because I believe that I have it to give. And I don't need any, I literally need nothing in return for it. I don't even need recognition or acknowledgement, right? I'm, I'm giving because my soul says give. Yeah. And that has to be rooted in self-love. Because if I'm not loving myself, then the giving is some way of hoping somebody else is going to love me back. Heck yeah. Yeah. That kind of goes back to that earlier with the example of the like, gift gifting, right? Like you were just saying right now. So I want to be taken out. I want to go do an activity, try something new. If I'm always doing that for somebody else, my mind says like, well, they'll do it for me. Well, no, because that's not how they want to receive love. If I communicate how I want to receive love, it's one thing, right? And also, I mean, we've all heard it. We've all been on our airplane. You put your mask on first. Why? Because that's how I'm going to be there for them. And I say this in the sense too, right? I have to be there. I have to be there for my kids. Okay. Think about when your kids are playing soccer and you ever watch them and you're watching them and you see that you see them make the goal, but you don't comprehend it because your brain, your brain is racing so much, right? You're sitting at the dinner table and they're telling you about their day, but your brain has gone into a different conversation, thought about something that was earlier, thinking about the future, thinking about how you want to answer things and you miss the punchline of the joke because you were somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Right. So how well are you really being there for somebody if you're not truly present? So me taking these times out for myself helps me become better for them. And that's what I want. Right. So if I'm that person that wants to be the giver, then I have to recharge because like we said with the cell phones in the car, if they're not automatically running smoothly, they're not good for us. Right. Right. Yeah. I love coming back to self-love. <laughs> You know, I just think that, the, again, as I said earlier in this conversation, you know, I want that language about this is the story that I'm living with. I know that's Brene's, but I want to keep pushing that, but also pushing this whole idea that I have to be able to love myself in order to be an authentic leader, in order to really give to others. I've got to be able to give to myself first. For sure. For sure. And you, you have to, you have to, it's like, again, it's, it's something we've always said. It's, it's so important. And it shows going back to that leaders that check in with themselves and how well they're there for their employees. They're able to listen. They're able to have an understanding for them. They're able to empathize and go, oh, that makes sense. I've been there. This is what I've done. 
right? That's why it makes sense. But we think of it in a selfish way because when we think of self-care, self-love, oh, that's massages, that's pedicures, that's getting my hair done. And listen, I'm all about all of that. That's a great sure. thing. But that's not an everyday thing. Right. You know? Right. It doesn't shift our relationship with ourselves. It's another compliance kind of thing. Like I can go get a massage and I will feel better after that massage, but I'm not going to love myself necessarily anymore tomorrow. Correct. Correct. And most of the time my pain's back tomorrow because I was doing everything that the massage person told me not to do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Jessica, thank you so much for talking about this conversation about stress. We all experience it. Um, it's really, I think of how do we how do we establish a relationship with it, if, yeah. if that makes sense? How do I establish a relationship that I want to have with stress so that I'm loving myself and then so that I can show up for others? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So exactly what we're talking about, you know, just making time for you, you know? Yeah. Well, Jessica, tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and what you are working on these days. Yeah, of course. So um, I always recommend two things. Um, my podcast, Stress Less with me, Jess. And then my website has everything. It has all my events, my blogs, uh, whatever, on my personal contact, which is journeytoyourself.net. Um, has every social media platform that I'm on as well. Um, what I'm working on right now, uh, so what I do is I work with people one-to-one. I go into corporations, provide educational workshops. Um, but another big thing that I really am working on every September is I provide a suicide fundraiser because um, I really believe it goes hand in hand with a stress management. So every September, I have a suicide fundraiser, trying to always, you know, up my game from last year. So yeah, there's a couple of things. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much again for being here. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Are you ready to play and experiment with these ideas so that you too can live your purpose, expand your impact, and create with ease? Join us at Fully Alive on Facebook. We've created this space to explore the effects these practices and principles can have on your own experience. And if you're feeling the nudge to explore what coaching can do for you, send me an email at mary at bluebambooleadership.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be fully alive.